Let's take a look at the board. And the categories are... Potent Potables. Joey, you like movies about gladiators. You're no messiah, you're a, you're a movie of the week. So you listen to me and you listen well. Look, well, let's not stand on ceremony, mate. Let's start the show. Evening, everybody. This is the Potent Pictures Podcast. I'm Dave, as always, and I'm joined by uh, Matt, Peter, and Sean. And uh, tonight we got together because uh, we wanted to discuss Edgar Wright's new movie, uh, Baby Driver. Um, kind of an interesting uh, group in the cast. I think we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but as always, we... Uh, we, I think we all enjoy an Edgar Wright in most of his movies, and uh, we'll, we'll see how this uh, panned out for this one a little bit later. But as always, we like to talk about what we're watching and what we're drinking. So, uh, Matt, what you what you been watching this week and what you drinking? So I actually got through a fair amount of Banshee this week. I know it's it's, it's not a very long-running season series, but uh, finally got a time to kind of finish off the first season and start start a bit of the second one. And it, it's holding up. It's, it's keeping me entertained. Um you know, it's, it's a Cinemax show, so lots of gratuitous uh, violence and nudity. So um, whether that's good or bad, um, it's it's overall entertaining. It, it's good. Okay. It's good. <laughs> glad, Easy glad, glad to hear. Glad to hear. Um, hey, we appreciate the the brutality that is fighting and the, the female form. I'll have to admit, I think I mentioned this on, a, on kind of like the first time I mentioned it a, a few months back uh, when, I, when I did start it. it it is pretty gruesome, some of the violence. Um, I definitely look away a few times, and I feel like, I don't know if that makes me like older. than like, I feel like when I was younger, I wouldn't have kind of cringed as much. Maybe I would have, but either way, it's it's a bit gruesome, and uh, it's kind of rough to watch, or just the, the sound effects also associated to the, the pain. Um, but it, Ooh, it's one of those shows? Sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. Uh, and so I, I kind of, you know, wince. Um, but overall, yeah. still entertaining. And then I also caught the... Uh, the movie The Guard. Uh, I can't remember if I'd seen it before. I definitely caught at least half of it previously. Um, it's about five or six years ago with uh, Don Cheadle and Brendan Gleeson. Great, great movie. Real, real fun. Um, just, uh, I'm not sure if you guys, have any of you guys heard of this one, The Guard? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't recall that either. So it's by the same guy that did In Bruges, which was also with Brendan, uh, Brendan Gleeson, but instead of. Uh, Don Cheadle, it was... Uh, Colin Farrell, right? Colin Farrell, exactly. Um, but I, I think I got onto a Brendan Gleeson kick because I was talking about uh, his son, uh, Domino Gleeson, after watching Dread last week. Uh, in any case, so I'm thinking about watching In Bruce soon. But uh, basically, Brendan Gleeson is a, a guard in uh, Ireland, uh, basically a, a cop in a local kind of area, like a local town or city. And uh, Don Cheadle comes in, and they both kind of have to partner up to, to solve crime. But... That, that part's not that big. It's mostly just the overall interactions of the kind of quirky cop and, and things like that. It's good fun. Lighthearted. Um, overall, very entertaining. So def- definitely worth the watch. Sorry, I, I have to interject because you just blew my mind. I did not realize that Donald Gleason was Brendan Gleason's son. Because, uh, <laughs> I, I did not know that either. Am, am I wrong about that? I, I apologize if I just uh, inferred paternity. <laughs> Um, no, you're de- you're definitely right, and that's okay. Uh, you just I mean, I know they look exactly alike, so it's shocking. <laughs> um, but this movie also had Mark Strong, which is always a great uh, a great addition to a, a film, as well as Davos always. Seaworth from Game of Thrones, um, <laughs> also known as the Onion Knight. So you have a few familiar faces, and just overall overall a, a good time. In terms of what I'm drinking, I'm having an Angry Orchard uh, apple cider. Very nice. Very light, very light and refreshing for the summer. Also, that, just that a quick—that was kind of my mindset. 
quick uh quick little interjection is uh are you a big domino gleason fan or you just uh do you only hate star wars that he's in (laughs) (laughs) um so it's he kind of came out of nowhere but i'm i'm as far as i know i'm a fan i i loved him in x um uh, x machina that was just a a really i was super i remember seeing the advertisement for that um when you're talking about movies those are typically called trailers and i was pretty pumped (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so when I finally did get to see it, because I don't, I think it was only limited release. In any case, at the time, that was definitely the first thing I saw him in, and it's been nice to see him and other things, you know, including uh, the the lesser of the Star Wars that have been released as of as of late. But uh, overall, I think I'm I think I'm a fan. Did you ever? Did you, I was gonna say, did you ever see the About Time with him and uh, Rachel McAdams? Oh, I forgot Great that. that I, I, I once I learned that it was him that was in that, it made me want to see it. I never did. How was that? It's a fun movie. It's, it yeah, actually, actually it's the same guy that did uh, Love Actually, so I usually give him a chance with a lot of his films. <laughs> I, uh, how 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 do we know that was going to be a pop in? Well, Love Actually always seems to make a, a surprise appearance. You always have to reference it when you can, but um, yeah, re- phenomenal movie and just a cast that's so vast it's hard to avoid. <laughs> Um, from the no from the creators when when the movie came out, I remember they just said from the creator of Love Love Actually. I mean, he's the writer, not the director, but. Either way, he wrote uh, Notting Hill, Love Actually, About Time. Yeah, just... Sean, I feel I feel like we're in the same we're in the same boat when it comes to those types of movies. I, I guess we. <laughs> I like him. <laughs> Both like I, tend... this, I didn't know he wrote Notting Hill, so that explains it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I think I think that's the same. I I have to go back and check, but I think he did Four Weddings and a Funeral too. But I'm not really sure. Um, you know, I've never seen that. It's it's worth a watch. It's a, quite strange, but it's more uh, it's more like real life shit that they deal with uh with comedy mixed in which makes for a good movie either way sorry to get on a sidetrack about Domhnall Gleeson and where I can reference it to love actually I gotta say I think my favorite thing about him is just trying to say his name every time um because it's probably not very hard to say but there's a few consonants that I don't usually see next to each other in a word so it's uh we could just start calling him Dom. Just Dom, yeah. Dom Gleason. Like Dom, Dom, Gleason. Dom DeLuise. I was, I was thinking drives, of Fast and the Furious. We, we should call him. I was just going to say, he drives a GTO and he beats people with wrenches. <laughs> Same guy, right? And they objectify women. Who doesn't? All the time. Now. Don't worry, we'll get to that. <laughs> Seven, you know, so eight tease, movies later. A little tease for movie, for movie news. <laughs> yeah, so Sean, what are, you, what are you watching and drinking? Um, so this week, I, I'm just finishing up on a lot of these uh, series that I've been into. Um Finally finished up on my Fargo show, getting ingrained in Glow this week. I was I got through six six episodes. Um, forgot to mention this last Sunday, but uh, was the end of this season's um, Silicon Valley, which another great season of that show. It seems to always keep me wanting more of it. And uh, the 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 fun show that I watched actually today was Twister, a little movie. Uh, a little movie based on uh, science, if you haven't ever seen it. But um, Bill Paxton, uh, rest in peace. Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Um, you got another great, rest really, in peace there, too. Another, exactly. I was, I was going to say another rest in peace with, uh, oh, man, what's his name? Philip you, Seymour you got Hoffman. It. Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, it's I. that's one of those movies that I have to say, every time it comes on TV, I end up sitting there watching the whole thing. It's... It, it's one of my favorite like action movies that came was that like mid mid nineties action movie like ninety five ninety six somewhere around there, um, great cast if you looking back you also have uh, Carrie Yules uh, from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off Cam who else do you say uh, uh, Princess Bride 
gentleman? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Carrie Elwes, yeah, the the dick, uh, the dick competitor. Uh, By the way, I think this is the only movie there, where yeah. he is the dick. So you want to try to refer to him as as the dick lightly because I think he's usually a pretty uh, lighthearted dude. Uh, see, see, I and I disagree. I think he's been like the the villain in a couple movies, but I, I have to. I can't tell you which other ones. I, I guess um, it's it's more being more you know Princess Bride. He was so so uh, phenomenally not dickish. And uh, and uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yes, great great movie. <laughs> which one of these days I'll have to throw that out there. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, another Dave Chappelle movie that's. Uh, or oh, Dave Chappelle early in his in his career, but yeah, <laughs> I think that that would actually be a great throughout for a uh, a podcast yeah, right there because yeah. that is one of my I favorite like that. movies. It's a Mel Brooks, like that isn't it? That's Mel Brooks, right? Oh yeah, we could yeah, do like yeah. a Mel Brooks week. I think we should do a Mel Brooks week. Yeah, because I think that's the end. This week's the anniversary of Spaceballs too. Uh, I believe you're right. So yeah. I have I have been looking for propaganda to buy myself. Um, <laughs> I've been looking for uh, a Spaceballs the apron. <laughs> Spaceballs the toilet paper, definitely the toilet so, paper. I thought about that, but I uh, can't find any. Yeah, you wouldn't want to buy that used. <laughs> <laughs> Might be Nobody a real should laugh gift for that. Some, Might be a real shitty you. gift for somebody. Nice, Sean. That was, see, Sean, Sean, went, Sean, went, Sean went good on his. Sean, Sean yeah, went subtle. Sorry. I like it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so that's what I've been watching this week. And then as far as what I've been drinking, uh, so Great Lakes Brewery, which is a brewery out of Cleveland, Ohio, they make a... Uh, an imperial IPA that they make every probably summer at some point, late spring, early, late spring, early summer. It's called the uh, Lake Erie Monster. Um, it's pretty, pretty potent beer. Pretty, uh, pretty hoppy. If you guys are into some uh, hoppy beer, it's definitely worth a, uh, definitely worth picking up a six pack of it. Or actually, it's they sell them in four packs. Sorry. So um, worth worth trying out at your next. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think they sell them in four packs because they're like ten percent alcohol. <laughs> So uh, don't want to get somebody to pick up a six pack of those and they'll just be driving into brick walls, which we don't condone drinking and driving on this show. Um, but uh, <laughs> but that's not funny. Uh, so that's what I'm drinking this week. And uh, Peter, what about you? What are you uh, watching and drinking this week? So in terms of what I'm watching, I la- I'm watching this week what we like to call terrible but great television. So there's there's a few random shows and most of them are uh comic book base so the arrow and or i should say arrow and the flash which are both i think cbs or not cbs they're um cw cw shows yeah which so, peter um, i can't make fun of you because i did get into i am one of the shows i'm watching is riverdale which is a cw show too so i'm it, yeah th- <laughs> i'm hooked there's there's something about their shows and they, I mean, inherently they're bad. I mean, anybody, it's funny. My wife will walk in when I'm watching and she'll catch, I don't know, five minutes of dialogue and be like, what is this show? But when you kind of get, get into it and you start watching the characters, they're a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, they're, they're kind of the, the mindless, you know, serialized shows where it's got a plot line that goes throughout the entire season. So you get to follow a villain and, and the, the hero kind of conquer him throughout the 20 some odd episode season. So I have fun with them. Uh, And plus I think they're doing something which DC has yet to do, which is connecting their universe. So this, this all started with arrow. I think they're on the fifth season maybe. And um, you know, then they came out with the flash, I think, two or three seasons into arrow and they connected those two uh supergirl came out and they connected her into it and there's another show called uh league of or 
uh, Legends of Tomorrow. And so they're all connected and they kind of play together with the characters and they'll, they'll do guest stars on each of the, on each of their shows. And anyway, it's a lot of fun. Again, it's, it's terrible, but if you're into kind of comic books and you, and you enjoy the, the mythology, it's, it's fun to watch. Um, the other one that I'm watching, and I have to say, thank Matt for this. This is one of the first times that I, I met Matt was he kind of mentioned that he was rewatching X-Men, the cartoon series. And I am just now revisiting that. That was something from my childhood that I loved. Uh, and, you know, just watching it now, it's funny because, you know, first of all, you get to appreciate how ridiculous cartoons are because you get to see them as an adult and go, wow, this is just really dumb. But at the same time, it brings back a lot of good memories. So, uh, you know, these are great shows to have on in the background and kind of enjoy what's going on with them. And yeah, again, if you're a comic book fan, they're, they're, they're fun to watch. So, you know, terrible, but good shows. I don't know if you guys have watched any of these, you know, other than Sean kind of talking about them, but, uh, yeah, I actually, I, I, yeah. Oh, good. No, I was gonna say that they really have done a good job with, uh, you know, I know everybody jokes about a lot of their shows and a lot the network that nobody ever watches, but they have to be dominating that, uh, 18 to 24 at least with, uh, oh, the yeah. demographic, because if you think about like, uh, zombie diaries or uh i know arrow the flash supergirl jane the virgin i think is the other one riverdale i mean they're all getting fairly good reviews too if you look at uh imdb or or, uh rotten tomatoes any really site that has rankings on it but uh you know they might be considered cheesy but uh, they do a good job with like plot development and character development um on their shows so enough that they're getting multiple seasons and uh yeah so i i i can't hate on the cw yeah and they, and they keep the keep the audience interested in the characters like you said with the character development i mean there are definitely references to those shows on like things like reddit more so than i see you know on C, you know america's most watched network so you don't get a lot of ncis gif references uh on reddit but you definitely you know definitely get air on the flash and some of the other ones so you're right there sean De- definitely get enough uh enough viewership getting the right marks for the audiences and peter just to back up i did watch um i think right before the flash came out i decided to finally catch up try try the arrow and i think i watched that one pretty quick and caught the first season of the flash um but i haven't watched any of either of them since so you'll have to let me know if you get past that point if i need to pick it back up yeah definitely i mean it was one of those things where i don't remember why i got into him but i think i had run out of the rest of my other uh, catalog of shows and so it's one of those where once you've kind of finished whatever your backlog is it's fun to pick it up and have it on in the back yeah you don't have sure. to be super attentive all the time so it's, it's pretty, pretty no definitely not um but yeah and then what am i drinking so we actually had an early fourth of july party here because obviously fourth falls on a tuesday this year and got to get the the family and friends together Peter, while you've got it's a weekend sounding to me like you celebrated canada day <laughs> Wait, is Canada Day the first? It's the first, yeah. Yeah. Ah, well, you know what? I did, but I was wearing American flag proud. That's just offensive, so, then. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> we just we just pretended, Matt. All right, don't rain on my oh. parade. I love Canada too. All right, <laughs> I can sing the first line of "O Canada" because it's "O Canada." But, um, so anyway, in our in our family party while we shot off fireworks, the a beer that I was maple, enjoying maple leaf is, fireworks. <laughs> I wish. 
Um, it's it's from a brewery called uh, Omagang. It's based in New York. I don't know if you guys have seen their stuff. They're, they, I think, distribute almost everywhere. I, I, I swear I've seen it in the Midwest and in the South and the East, West, all over. But uh, they had a good one, which... It's a it's a wit beer and it's it's called fruition. It's it's brewed with passion fruit, mango, and kiwi. It's not overly uh, sweet. It's not overly fruity. It's just enough. It kind of reminds you of kind of uh, you know the floral notes that you get in an IPA, but it's not and not overly bitter and it's not again not overly sweet. So I would recommend it if you see it in the stores. It was I, I think it's somewhat. Uh, you know, a, a limited release, but definitely worth a try. And again, that's from Oma Gang Brewery. It's uh, fruition. So that's what I'm drinking. Uh, Dave, what about you? Well, um, I, well, so it's interesting, you know, y'all talk about all the shows y'all are watching and everything like that. And I noticed I've been kind of, um, lacking in that type of frame, but I realized what it is. The reason why I do this is because I watch the, uh, the investigation of discovery, um, channel all the time in the background. So, I watch more of those shows. I don't know if y'all have ever really watched any of the, the shows on there. It's a lot of good lines. Wait, David, uh, your, you said Discovery, huh? right? Investigation of Discovery. Oh, no, I thought you were talking about Discovery Network. Sorry. No, Sorry no, 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 no. It's, it's ID, it's ID Investigation Discovery. And uh, no, so it's a, it's a lot of the murder shows and stuff like that. So I watch a lot of that all the time. But, uh, you know. But other than that, so, you know, it seems like, you know, most of the time I don't really watch much during the week uh, like y'all, but I do. I just watch a lot of those, and it's all random shows on those. But the the main thing that I probably watched that most people could probably relate to was uh, I finally actually finished uh, Master of None. Um, I think, Sean, I think you're the only one who uh, has seen that as well. Big fan. Matt Peter, yeah, great, uh, great, my, great, great season. The, uh, great second season. Arnie and... Uh... Aziz, well, Aziz, he goes by not Aziz. Is he Aziz in the show? I can't remember. No, uh, it's Dev. Dev, that's Dev. right. Yeah, Dev and, and Arnie. Their their interaction is yeah. my favorite. But anyway, big and big and little, big yeah. and little. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's a great show. Um, it definitely seems like it ended on a on a on a beat that they're gonna bring out a third season. So that's always a, that's always a good sign. Um, at least I got that impression. Sean, do you agree? Yeah, and it seems like it. Uh, it's going to be another probably a year or so, but yeah, it should be a yeah. pretty, and, and what's really, I, I think I mentioned this previously in one of our other episodes, but I will say that, uh, this is Aziz is like, he's directing these episodes and starring. So I, I feel like he's done a great job with both. Um, uh, I don't know. What do you, what, some, what do you think, Dave? No, I, I mean, I like the, the, the little different episodes. Like the, I think the first episode they did was completely in black and white and 90% of it was in uh, Italian with subtitles. So it was kind of gave you that old kind of, yeah. Um, uh, I guess like, you know, 30s and 40s film type feel. And then they actually did uh, an episode where they were going through the life of other people and seeing their thing. And they did an entire like um, like 15 minute scene on um, how a deaf person would actually experience this, this whole thing. Um, and the whole time it was silent and you were having to read their signs and stuff like that. I thought that was just like a cool thing that they did. Um, and then they all ended up meeting somewhere at the end which was kind of an interesting uh, concept. But I, th- I thought this season, I think he definitely went, um, um, he took a little bit more risks in this. And I think it's because, like you said, he was directing. I'd have to go back and look and see if he actually did those. But did he direct most of them, Sean? Do you know? Yeah, he did. And uh, like the one okay. the one episode you're talking about with the Italian, uh, so I, I, I'm for the film nerds out there, Federico Fellini is like a famous Italian director. He uh, he sort of mirrored like Federico Fellini's film style, 
if you've ever seen the like Dolce Vita, I think it's like one of his famous ones. But uh, yeah, that was one of the films we watched in my film class in college. So um, yeah, it was similar <laughs> to that style. So uh, shout out to Mike Applin if he actually listens. Appreciate the love on Facebook. <laughs> um, and the other thing I started watching was actually Glow based on, um, I think it was Sean's recommendation last week. Um, uh, great show. Um, thoroughly enjoying the heck out of it. Um, the, the, the concept of female wrestlers um, and the start of it was, I thought it was real cool in the 80s. Wait. So it's been very entertaining. Is that what this show's huh? about? Yes. It's, yeah, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling is what Glow stands for. Yes. Is it? And oh, is that really I did so you're saying Michelle Rodriguez would not be interested in... No, it's, she it's, would it's not. hilarious though, Matt. You like the I gotta give it to the show. Like it's it's set in the eighties and it's like I feel like everything they've done a great job. I, I'm I'm a big fan oh, yeah. so far. So anyway, uh I highly recommend it. If Dave's not doing it justice, it's it's very funny. Well, I'm very I'm just so. upset, you know, just the fact that it's kind of another eighties era T V show, which, you know, I, I guess is it's pretty hot right now in general, but so hot I'm right into now. it too. So yeah, so hot right like now. So well, I, th- I think <laughs> you might now. actually get. I think you might be a little bit more enjoy this uh, a lot more if you ha- if you're a fan of a, a certain character of a certain uh, actress. You know, that's all I'm going to say about that. Strictly 80s television. There you go. All right. I want to um, watch The Americans Glow. Makes uh, you want to watch Stranger <laughs> Things again. When's season two coming? Stranger out? Things. Yeah, it's Halloween. Uh, Halloween. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh. Oh, but another uh, fun fact I've actually I was watching. I've been watching a little bit more Game of Thrones with um, uh, in two weeks uh, season. I'm gonna shoot myself. It's either seven or eight. Is uh, nerd is uh, coming out on in two weeks. So, so are you are you catching up or are you revisiting? No. So HBO has been. Oh no, I've been I've been completely caught up. Don't worry about that. We were okay, going to we it. were we were going to uh, Game of Thrones watch party. Let me just put it to you that way. Which was everybody gets somebody hosts at their house. They uh, they cook. And you bring a bunch of booze and get drunk and eat and watch Game of Thrones. And then is, everybody... it, is it like medieval times? Do you have to eat giant chicken legs and no utensils? I suggested that, and apparently they got shut down. I was very disappointed. Because, uh, you know, nothing, you. nothing wrong with a good big turkey leg. Dixie Stampede is fun as well, if you've ever been. <laughs> it's the same thing as uh, uh, medieval times, but it's yeah, Civil yeah. War themed by Dolly Parton. Dixie Stampede. It's Dolly right. Parton's well, Dixie Stampede, mind you. Oh! Wait, wait, wait. No, I'm I actually did. I it's did like in do that Pigeon when... Forge, Tennessee. Yeah, I actually did that when I was younger. I remember this, Sean. I've been there one time. It's like one side yeah. is like the South, and one side is the North. Yes. And you're basically it's, you're basically reenacting a... the Civil War battles. That's hilarious. Anyway, sorry. this doesn't sound like it be it could be insensitive at all. This sounds very very appropriate. I'm definitely gonna go to. That. <laughs> hey, Peter. Whenever you move to back to Ohio, it's a short trip, so you'll be fine. <laughs> Can't wait. It's going oh, down. God, I completely forgot about. Uh, yeah, I, I forgot. I so the funny thing is, I actually never made it to medieval times there for you, Sean, when we were when I was living up in Dallas. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but eh, it happens. Wait, I tried. You've never been I to tried. a medieval times. No, I've actually never. The yeah, only one I've yeah, ever been to was I. the one he just mentioned. Was the really? the Dolly Parton version? Wow, Dave. I know, man. Did, don't Dude, you we just live watch right... the cable guy and feel left out every time? Well, yes, and like the thing was, is I actually tried getting people to go. People were like, we don't go to medieval times. I'm like, why not? And that's like, when well, you disown those friends immediately. Whoever called you, that group. Group. you were in that group. You were in that group, Peter. <laughs> Wait, was it really? I oh, think you were you're there, right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, that was me. My Bums. bad. That, I, I've been there so many times. You can blame. You can blame that. Fair enough. I'll allow it. 
But uh, but yeah. Uh, but in terms of what I'm drinking, um, so this was an interesting one I found when I was at Central Market. So you, I don't know if y'all have been there, but uh, usually you can do like the pick six type thing from their rack, and you know buy a six pack and it's you know whatever it is. So um, I found, and y'all are gonna die when y'all hear this. It's a Star Trek Klingon Imperial Porter. Nerd. Oh yeah. So apparently this Schmaltz um, Brewing Company company out in New York apparently will brew a bunch of these things. And this is like the official beer that's produced by CBS. Like CBS allowed for this to actually be uh, brewed um, for Star Trek. And uh, it's actually not that bad. I was actually, I've been kind of impressed by it. I thought it was going to be real bad and it's actually pretty good. Well, I don't think a replicator can make bad food, Dave. <laughs> they don't have alcohol. They only have synthahol. Touche. It doesn't wow. get you. By the way, every nerd. time Sean calls you a nerd, I think he's over. He's he's jumping to conclusions, but maybe not. <laughs> just after, uh, after that statement. Well, no, I, I will not. say, Dave, you're a Schmaltz Brewing Company. I just clicked on their website real fast, uh-huh. and you know how like all these alcohol websites, it says like you have to acknowledge that you're 21. It says uh, under 21, or it says 21 and uh, over 20, 21 Laheim. So I'm all in on it. <laughs> So it's it's Jewish. Uh, I, I, yeah, I would say I'd say so. <laughs> well, thank you for pointing out that Schmaltz is a uh, it's a Jewish name. <laughs> it's a, you don't say. Wow, it's, with, it's probably with, kosher. With S H M and a T is an Z at the end. Yes. It definitely doesn't. I was like, you know, this might be a kosher beer. Here's a here's a quick taste of uh, some of their brews that they have. Tribe called Schmaltz. Uh, Dave said Star Trek Klingon Imperial Porter. Funky Jubilation, spelled Jew, J-E-W. Uh, Laheim Sucka. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I want to drink that. <laughs> uh, and then they, but, oh, they do clown shoes. Oh, no. no, okay. no I've seen oh, clown shoes before. Clown shoes? Oh, they Wait. Schmaltz does? Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know. I've had clown shoes before. Yeah. Because they were. Are they good? Uh, they were, in fact, quote, fucking clown shoes. <laughs> Wait, is it literally clown shoes? Like Jay and Silent Bob? Like these two are a bunch of fucking clown shoes? When you set these yeah. guys' dicks off? <laughs> that's, what was, that's what I was referencing there. But uh, there's a brewery called Clown Shoes up in, I think it's New York or somewhere. Like, uh, Oh, yeah, this might be a different one. They just, they had clown shoes on their site. Sorry, yeah. I got distracted yeah, by well, it. Um, but yeah. Squirrel. That's, uh, that's what's been, day. you know what? If I can't argue for getting a good, Star Trek uh, themed beer. I've actually been looking for some Romulan ale. I know I'm gonna go real nerdy real quick, but apparently it's the strongest shit in the galaxy. Just saying, guys. If you find any, buy it for me. Nobody. Screw you guys. Are you going home? Anyway. Huh? Yeah, I think I might. I want to hang out with you guys anyway. But anyway, alrighty. So I think we got some uh, movie news this week. Uh, Sean, Peter, what y'all got for us? Uh, Peter, do you want to start us off with some movie news? Sure. So there's a few things that came down the pipe this week. I will start with the first, which is, you know, our favorite movie franchise because we love franchises. Uh, <laughs> the Fast and Furious franchise. So Michelle Rodriguez this week, uh, they're just releasing Fast 8 on the, to DVD and Blu-ray and, and all the streaming services or all the, the paid for streaming services. And she kind of tweeted out, said, hey, everybody, you know, go go check it out. I won't read her actual tweet, but essentially said, hey, you should go check it out. It comes out digitally today. And by the way, uh, you know, if 
basically if they don't turn things around i might be out of the franchise if they don't kind of treat their women better and basically her kind of comment is if you look at those movies there's very few female characters the characters don't have huge parts most of them are very reliant on a on a man in in the movies and uh, you know, a lot of them have, have either been killed off, you know, spoiler alert, I won't name the characters if you haven't seen them, uh, or they're just kind of written out of the, the movie. So she's basically just kind of saying, you know, hey, we'd love bigger, better parts for females and let's see if we can do that. So it just kind of an interesting way to come about it, you know, a- advertising for the movie and at the same time kind of knocking knocking them down as well. So I don't know about you guys and if you've noticed that in any of the movies in terms of the female parts or if you've noticed any any lack of character development there. I've noticed a lot of character development in all the Fast movies from all characters. <laughs> but uh, Well, so, it, it's, not a, it's not a lack of development. They just develop one particular facet of that character and then just run with it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, she was... She had a fairly decent amount of character development, too. And I mean... And some of her uh, in the previous ones, didn't you guys think? Yeah, I mean, she died and then didn't die. I mean, that, you, how, can, how much more can you develop than that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mean, you know, I guess it's, uh, show me Jesus. Jesus! <laughs> Ding! <laughs> Sorry, that's a Family Feud reference. <laughs> it sounded like a Family Guy Family Feud reference. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Uh, show me potato salad. <laughs> nice. Uh, I mean, in all seriousness, it's interesting. We were talking about this before we started the cast, but I mean, granted, yes, the char- the female characters don't have great parts and they're objectified, but the male characters in these movies are almost as much, if not more, more objectified in these movies. So it's kind of hard. Uh, um, you know, I, I can see where she's coming from, but at the same point, I mean, she's still collecting paychecks and has been in most of the movies. So, I mean, more power to her for sta- standing up, but we'll see what and, happens. And then the opposite end, Ludacris and, and Tyrese are in the movies just to make asses of themselves. Um, so they're, they're not even true. objectified. They're just made to make all Dumb. men feel stupid. <laughs> which yeah. I can, which I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I relate to you, so it's perfectly fine. But Sometimes daddy's got to go to work. <laughs> Oh, God. man, I can't wait to see that. Movie and with again. that, uh, <laughs> it's amazing that, that that movie, those movies get so, you know, so, so much love unanimously from everyone. And um, they can have lines like that. But if that line was in Transformers, I mean, people would react to it like Trump, Trump tweeted it or something like. Oh, but it's so funny, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, you just I don't know, maybe. And this kind of stems back from what I talked about in Transformers. And it's just like you just kind of expect it to be like hilarious like awesomely bad whereas uh transformers i just can't get my head around that part of it it doesn't have enough family they tried and then they got rid of the daughter and just didn't work out but exactly they, well, they, they formed a new family and it's then just, they kicked them aside. you're right and their family ha- is interspecies because it has robots so people aren't as into it <laughs> all right so uh michelle rodriguez is leaving what else we got Peter? anyway move along <laughs> So moving along, uh, the other piece, and this is very much a, you know, throw throw a bunch of salt at it, throw a block of salt at this one. But there are rumblings that, uh, you know, obviously James Bond franchise created by Albert R. Broccoli and the, the Broccoli's kind of own the franchise. There's rumblings that they would like to create a cinematic universe out of James Bond. So, I, I mean, 
I swear if we hear about one more cinematic universe, I'm probably just going to quit movies altogether. But I mean, that's that's my initial take on this. I don't think we need any more movies that have to branch off into different areas within the the universe to show different characters and blow them out. I mean, let's just come up with some original stuff, people. But that's me. I don't know about you guys. If you want to see an odd job movie. Uh, I'd rather see a random task movie, but that you know that's just my perspective. Yes. <laughs> um, so you, you said a name that I'm not familiar with. I, I thought, so I assume they're the ones that made it the movie franchise and they own those rights or did they, I, I thought the book was written by Ian Fleming. It was. Okay. So somebody else. Yeah, you're right. Is what it is. I would you're imagine right. it's the, I think, new, the, the new iteration with Daniel Craig, or is this with the same guys that are... Yeah, so Albert R. Broccoli was the producer of the, the Bond films and essentially took over the rights of that from Ian Fleming, I think. that There's some, some more backstory to it, but essentially the, the Broccolis own the rights to James Bond. So they, they've, they were producers on the original films when they first came out. Uh, I think they, they were able to recoup the rights and then the Broccoli family has owned them going forward along with, uh, I think Sony at one point had distribution rights and now they're kind of moved around between MGM. But anyway, uh, the Broccoli's kind of control the destiny of James Bond. That's bringing to mind, I think uh, Sean Connery was in a movie not produced by them. And so it's not canon to the actual existing, you know, kind of James Bond not a universe because it's not a cinematic universe after 25 films, I guess they need to make it more exactly. broad. I agree with you. I have no interest in this because the, you know, I, I don't think the the world of, of the James Bond spy universe needs one, but to your point, I, I think we talked about this previously of, you know, whether or not, some, you know, we need to see more of these cinematic universes. I think we were all pretty okay with the idea of a, a John Wick universe, but that's more, you know, they were doing a TV show and they're kind of expanding on the, the kind of, you know, world that we don't know much about. It hasn't been 25 movies over 50 years or 30 years or however long it's been. Um, you know, we've only had two movies, maybe get a, you know, we're going to get a third. So a TV show isn't too much, but after, after 25 movies, I, I don't think you need to then call it a cinematic universe, just to call it a cinematic universe. We all know it's a character that's never going to go away. Just, just keep trying to make decent James Bond movies. We don't need to see, like you said, a, a an odd job movie. So, Right there with you. As Peter. much as we would like that, though. As much as we would of like course. that. Of course. Of course. Metal hats. We'd love to see them thrown around. Now, I think you, I think you hit it, though, Matt, which is it, it really just looks like a cash grab. I mean, at this point, you've done this many movies, and now, now you're going to have a cinematic universe. I mean, it, you should have either started with it or don't have it at all. I think the only positive aspect is we might get a, a revival of Austin Powers-style movies of getting the the universe of Austin Powers expanded to to kind of, you know, keep in check with 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 James Bond's up to. So in all honesty though, I would kind of like to see the Bond universe go like have y'all ever read those like fan theories about things like the it's usually like they'll get posted on the internet where it's like a fan theory is actually better than um what's actually happening in the universe. Like Rogue and they One. basically well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> that was a much better theory god that would have been so good. But anyway, um Basically, what they're saying is that James Bond was actually, or 007 and James Bond were actually a code name, and that explains why there's like a change in people, but yet, like, uh, what was it, Judy Drench, right? Am I saying that right? Judy, Judy Dench. Dench. Yeah. Dan, Judy, Dan, Judy, Judy Dench. Dench. Guys, I was Dan, close. Yes, excuse me. Not Judy How she Drench. was actually, yeah, I know, I was like, man, that's wrong, but eh, close <laughs> enough. Um, but basically, she was, how she was with the Daniel Craig and the Pierce Brogson characters, right? Um, 
and it kind of like ties those two together and they're like well why would these two universes exist or something like that and i think if they went to where that 007 and james bond is actually a code name for someone and keeps moving forward i think that would be kind of a cool universe to go into rather than um you know just keep redoing the the james bond character every you know 10 years or so anyway sorry anyway moving along what's uh what do we have next so we have a we have a new edition here, which is uh, Batgirl. So I think we talked about this in a previous podcast that it's going to be uh, directed by Joss Whedon. And now they just released the other day a short list of potential uh, potential Batgirls. So we've got we got a list here, and and we'll just go down it. So Elle Fanning from Neon Demon and Live by Night fame, Olivia Cook from Bates Motel. Bella Throne from Shake It Up. Not sure of that one. Uh, Catherine Langford from 13 Reasons Why. Margaret Qualley from The Leftovers. Great show. Jane Levy from Don't Breathe. Emma Roberts from Screen Queens. Haley Lou Richardson from Split. And Naomi Scott from Power Rangers. So not not a huge, not a huge uh, list of star power. I mean, Elle Fanning, I think, is probably one of the biggest names on the yeah, list. Probably. I don't know if you guys yeah. have seen this or had had any preconceived notions of who you thought should or could be back. Well, just what I've read, everything I've read, Peter, it seems like there's four names that have really kind of, I guess, been at the top of the list uh, with Catherine Langford, uh, Elle Fanning, Margaret Qualley, and Jane Levy being those four. So um, from what I've read, it seems like Jane Levy is the one that people seem to like a lot, who... I know she's been in like a a TV show and she was on uh she was in that remake of the Evil Dead too uh as well. So um not really sh- sure if she has the or if any of these if they have the name to hold a film by itself, but then again it's a DC film with Joss Whedon. Uh so I think people will go see it. So what about you guys have you heard anything else about that? I I'm just I just want to jump in. I'm glad you said Jane Levy might be leading the pack cuz she kind of seems like the when I picture Batgirl, she she seems like a good idea for it. Um, wouldn't object to Emma Roberts either, but Elle Fanning, I, I like her in most of what I've seen her in, but I she she doesn't. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if she'd be the right choice. But then again, I've, I've referenced this before. I'm I'm usually pretty terrible at. I'm not a casting director, so I'm usually pretty bad at it. And everybody else has been doing a pretty damn good job, so I probably would be okay with wherever they end up. If if she yeah, ends so, up. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, if Elle Fanning ends up being Batgirl, I'll be so uh, depressed that, because the on-screen chemistry that she and uh, Ben Affleck had in uh, Live By Night was not great. So um, <laughs> that, That's a good point. Leaves, I never saw leaves that. Leaves a lot to be good. desired. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I, yeah I, I kind of agree with you all on that. I don't know if I want her being it. She just would not do it. But like when you said, like, you said Catherine Langford was in there? It sure was. That's crazy. I, I, I'm... I'm actually surprised by that. That's a little... I mean, she was good in 13 Reasons Why, but, like, I, I'm i surprised they would even be one to be tied with that in terms of, like, the DC Universe. That's just, I, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of interested because I, I don't know if you guys remember, but originally there was some scenes that are in the extended or director's cut. I don't remember what the name of the, the edition of Batman versus Superman where they actually had Jenna Maloney, who was supposed to be playing Barbara Gordon, who is Batgirl, uh, and obviously now she's no longer going to be Batgirl. Uh, so I'm just kind of curious if you guys had seen any of those scenes or had had heard about that because I thought she could have played an interesting 
uh, Batgirl. But then again, I think uh, Zack Snyder's kind of in love with her and, 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 you know, he's used her in Sucker Punch and some other movies. So I don't think yeah. she's the best fit for the character, but it's funny because they, they technically have scenes shot of her playing the character. That's right. I actually, for, I completely forgot about that until you mentioned it. I, it's, no. it's a shame. I don't know if we ever get to see it. I'm sure we will at some point. I'm not sure if they're out there now, but I think I don't recognize most of these names, but a few of them do sound like they might be a better um, choice. Yeah, it's very it's very similar to, I mean, in a lot of ways, Spider-Man Homecoming and even uh, Wonder Woman, where I think a lot of people were shocked when Gal Gadot got the role. And then Tom Holland was kind of an up and comer, wasn't in too many movies. So uh, so, yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, But last piece of news real quick on box office. So two pieces. We were just talking about Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman is now the most successful uh, DCEU movie of all. So beat Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel, even though those debuted with a much bigger uh, opening week. So I think Batman versus Superman was 160 some odd million and Batman or uh, Superman Returns or not Superman Returns. Man of Steel was, I think, around 140 million and Wonder Woman was right over 100 million. So even though it was you know almost one and a half times less open weekend it's already caught up to those two movies and it's actually done so in four weeks as opposed to those two i think took around i don't even remember if it was maybe even 20 weeks so anyway it's just a great way to say very successful very successful movie and uh you know definitely happy about it i think we all really like that movie and the other piece is transformers and on a uh, down note, we all talked about this last week, uh, Transformers The Last Night, but uh, the movie had a huge drop from week to week. And actually in China, which is the place that it's really been keeping its own, I mean, that was the place it's made the most money is in China. It made 120 some odd million dollars. Uh, it actually dropped 80% from Friday to Friday. So it actually only made around, I think, $8 million on this Friday. So just a long way to say that Transformers Last Night is not looking good. It will probably get a sequel, but they're definitely putting off uh, putting off fans all over the world. So no question, it's not too well received. All righty. Well, um, so like I said, this was um, an Edgar Wright movie, and I think we're all big fans of some of his previous work. So I figured we'd kind of talk real quick on some of his uh, some of his past movies and how we thought we were kind of going into this movie a little quick. Um, so uh, Matt. I know we know you're a big fan of Edgar Wright. Um, what's your favorite? What's your favorite uh, Edgar Wright movie? How about that? We'll start off with that. So I mean, it's obviously gonna be part of the uh, what is it the Cora Cornetto trilogy or what? What are they calling it with the? Uh, I, I oh oh wait, uh, Three Flavors Cornetto film trilogy. Is that what, yeah, so the the one basically him and uh, Simon Pegg work together a lot, uh, particularly Shaun of the Dead is probably the most well known. Um, and if you get a chance, Hot Fuzz and uh, The World's End are also, uh, you know, definitely enjoyable movies. I- I'd say Hot Fuzz is probably my favorite out of those three. Um, I know Shaun of the Dead is always something I could toss on and watch in the background. Uh, Hot Fuzz is something I kind of want to really sit down and enjoy. And then The World's End kind of, kind of, you know, is, is enjoyable as well. But you know, kind of do it, you know, doesn't live up to the other two in, in my in my mind. But still, still a quality movie. Um, and then the other one, I think the only one, other one I've seen uh, would be uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which uh, 
you know, I'm not trying to list all of his movies, but just to give everybody a frame of reference for where <laughs> these are coming from. Um, Scott, Scott, Scott Pilgrim, it's something where I, you know, I, I was kind of stoked about it when it was coming out, even though I had no idea what it was going to be. It was just something where I don't think we had seen something in that style before where it was kind of self-aware and had the CGI overlays and real world scenery in terms of like a game style. We later saw that in a more kind of gratuitous form with Crank with Jason Statham. Uh, Scott Pilgrim is definitely something that's that's entertaining. It's a fantastic cast. Um, never never bad to see. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Are you talking about the girl from uh, Fargo? Oh, 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 uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yep. I knew it was three names. Okay, thank you. You know, never bad to have uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead in there. So overall fun, Michael Sarah. Um, you also had Superman in there, which would, you know, always nice to see Brendan Roth working after, you know, he, he started off with such promise being cast surprisingly as Superman and then having to be in that Superman movie was always a downer. Anyways, long, long story short, Hot Fuzz would be my favorite. Ant-Man may have taken the cake if he was, you know, if he um, had the full credit to that direct, you know, that director role. Um, but he did write it. So it's it's still up there for me. Um, but uh I'd have to go with Hot Fuzz. What about you, Peter? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you in terms of kind of, I think of the trilogy as being the main ones of his that I've really kind of revisited a lot. Shaun of the Dead was great. Uh, in general, I really enjoy the fact that he has a trilogy that really have no real connection. I mean, they're, they're very similar in terms of the comedic style and, and that the kind of frame of reference that he takes the movies in, but otherwise, I mean, the characters aren't connected and, and the pieces and parts within aren't connected, even though there's, there's tiny Easter eggs. I should say they're, they're connected in ways that as a film buff you can find, but I, I kind of just enjoy the fact that they wrote these and, and has the same sort of cast starring and you get to have fun with these guys in very different roles throughout. Um, but yeah, I, I think I've seen everything he has. I, I was a little bit bummed when, like you said, with Ant-Man, he wasn't able to kind of go through with his vision. But overall, I think he has a really fun comedic style. I think he's great at also throwing in some fun action pieces within these movies, even though um, you know you wouldn't originally think of them as action movies. I mean, Hot Fuzz has got some great kind of, uh, you know, some gunplay and some some fun, uh, you, know, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. Other than just saying action again. <laughs> Some just references. Yeah. <laughs> point, point break scenes, if you will. Like slow motion action sequences and like just everything that they do in that movie. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. And so, I mean, I think you would you wouldn't think that going in and watching the previews but you're able to come out and you get some good comedy you get some good action you get uh some fun character development so overall i'm i'm a big fan of his and i was looking forward to baby driver so uh sean what about you yeah i i think uh edgar wright as a whole i i feel like you can't help but mention the three flavors cornetto trilogy that we talked about here with uh the movies mentioned but it's uh you know he does have a few other movies to uh, the show Space is really good if you ever get a chance to watch some of those episodes. It's basically uh, Simon Pegg, uh, Nick Frost, Martin Freeman, Bill Nye, uh, and a couple other folks who you might reference from the movies that were mentioned here. But um, he seems to have a great sense of humor that I seem to enjoy. And I know we mentioned how Hot Fuzz is is pretty uh, pretty much a, a an action comedy, I guess we can call it, um, based off of buddy cop movies. And Shaun of the Dead is, I feel like they, that movie came out at a good time where 
it was before the zombie craze that's been in existence with a lot of the movies and TV shows that have been out. Um, so that sort of reignited people's interest in zombies, I would say. And it's just, a, I mean, it's hilarious. But uh, And then Hot Fuzz, my favorite part about that whole movie is the fact that he ties everything in to Bad Boys 2 and to uh, Point Break, <laughs> Point which are two of my favorite action movies. So I'd have to, even though I, I know it's sort of echoing what you guys said, I, Hot Fuzz is probably my favorite one. Um, and just the way that they toss out like little references to things and, you know, make, they're like, oh, what do you want to say? Shop? Like shop? And they just go to the shop and yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm just <laughs> rambling, but I, I enjoy the Hot Fuzz the most. What about you, Dave? So uh, it sounds like Hot Fuzz is the uh, the overall winner. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely on board with that. Um, of of them all, Hot Fuzz and uh, Shaun of my and Shaun of the Dead are my two like go to movies to watch of this trilogy, or uh, basically of his uh, I guess his his director uh, director uh, films. Um, I kind of put Hot Fuzz a little bit higher than Shaun of the Dead, just from rewatchability in terms of that. I love both of them. I can watch Shaun of the Dead. It's, um, it's one of those movies like we we've all said that when it comes on TV, I will sit there and just end up watching the whole thing just because it's. The comedy in it, it it's almost perfect. Now, and I think I think we all agree that the World's End didn't hit it as much on those, but you know, it was still it was still an entertaining movie. I thought it kind of swapped at the end to a very odd. It, it went it went into an odd direction, which kind of turned me off. But overall, I enjoyed it. Um, in terms of Scott Pilgrim versus the World, did not actually have any desire to see it when it first came out. Uh, probably a surprise, but. Um, I think I caught it when it was maybe on HBO or something. It was some something like that, and I sat and watched it and was surprised how much I actually enjoyed the movie. Um, I, I thought the cast that they brought in was really entertaining. I, I liked the, how it was actually filmed with the how we talked about how the cinematography was not the cinematography. I'm sorry, the uh, the uh, like the video game or the comic book stuff was kind of intertwined with the real life and uh, and stuff. And it was kind of like one of those first movies that did that. I thought it was real interesting and real cool. But uh, yeah, overall. I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, this director's, uh, um, uh, all of his movies, more or less. I mean, I I can't really think of any single one that is mainstream that I did not enjoy. So I'm intrigued to see uh, any future ones he'll bring out going forward. And Um, side side note, just have to correct myself. So Crank came out four years before Scott Pilgrim. I don't know what I was thinking there. So Crank kind of wins on on kind of doing the overlays of kind of comic book and game style. You know, it was kind of just a... It was very. They only did it a few times, and it was a very subtle thing. So it was nice to see in Scott Pilgrim in a more lighthearted kind of just general movie. Yeah. So just had to correct that because I was cool. way off. All right. Well, gentlemen, I think uh, we've officially talked about the the director and how we, we feel about all of his movies. So let's actually talk about this movie, Baby Driver. Um, I know when we were initially going in, I know when it first came out, I was not too thrilled about it until I actually heard that this was an Edgar Wright movie, and my opinion of the movie kind of changed a little bit in getting excited with it. Um, so, Matt, how did you feel about it when it first came out? Like, what was your initial thoughts on it? So, I was unfamiliar with the song by uh, Simon and Garfunkel, so I actually, the trailer, very very entertaining. I was pretty stoked for it. Um, hated the name. I thought it was like a terrible marketing strategy just to have a name like that. Uh, luckily, I was wrong. Just like my probably choices in casting, marketing may not be my my forte. Um, but 
you know, didn't care about the the name in terms of wanting to see it. I knew I wanted to see it. I just thought the name might not pull in enough viewership uh, to give the movie the audience it deserved from, you know, based on what the trailer looked like. So I was pretty stoked finding out that it was Edgar Wright, you know, just got me all the more excited. Uh, didn't really recognize uh, the actual, you know, baby character, Ansel uh, Elfort. Ah. Anyways, um, didn't recognize baby. So it's, it's always kind of nice to see a new face. Uh, but it, especially when they have a strong supporting cast with, you know, John Hamm, Kevin Spacey, Jamie Foxx. Um, so, you, you know, you knew that, you know, that you were going to have, um, you know, you don't, you don't have a new, a kind of a, a new face coming in to be a lead role, um, with, with that kind of backup support, unless, you know, people believe in the, believe in the product. So it was, was, was helpful for that reason. Um, was concerned about the overhype as it got closer to the release. And we'll kind of talk about that a little bit more, but I was definitely excited for it coming out of it. What about you, Sean? What you mean you weren't excited about the NBA finals being, just covered in baby driver on the courtside LED. <laughs> I, you know, uh, actually during the finals, I could have sworn I saw way more Spider-Man placements or that, Spider-Man. You market. might be right. It might have been. It might have been like the conference finals. Uh, I just remember oh, okay. seeing it like uh, at the NBA games. Um, but yeah, you're right with the homecoming Spider-Man homecoming. I, well. I'm sure it was both. I I just you know, Tom Holland was you know caught, caught my attention more. I guess or maybe it was the John Favreau 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 Favreau. Um, <laughs> But Favre. Exactly. I am pretty sure his name's actually really easy to say. I just love there's something about Mary, so whenever I can screw it up and it's a completely different name, nice. I'd still yeah. find it. Uh, yeah, but go, I mean, from the first time I saw the trailer back in February, I, I was slightly intrigued um, when I saw Edgar Wright, and then you see the names, and then you're like, okay, this seems like an entertaining movie. Didn't really think too much of it. You know, come back around, say, two months later – Three months later, and now you're looking at a uh, a movie that's had pretty significant amount of publicity, like you mentioned. Uh, going into it, though, I tried to keep my expectations down a little bit. Um, I think I always try to keep my expectations down, but there are certain movies I get excited for more than others. This is one of them. I was I've been waiting for this movie to come out. As I think I referenced, I think last week I was I was asking if we can review this movie last week instead of uh, Transformers, but it, luckily it didn't come out till this week uh, for you guys. Um, but yeah, I was pretty excited about it. Um, I don't really want to get into too much of my opinion here, but, uh, but yeah, I, so I, I think I was, I think I was excited. What about you, Peter? I, I think just kind of reiterating the same thing. This was one of those that, as you mentioned, Sean, I kind of caught a trailer for this a while back. And when I first, I, I heard, I actually had read some, some reviews, some early reviews or early buzz on it a long time ago. And when I read the name of the film, it really doesn't give you any idea for what it's about. So just kind of reading some really high level articles saying, Hey, it's a good movie. It's called baby driver. Didn't really know too much. And then I caught the first trailer and I was, I was very intrigued. I, I was really looking forward to it. The action in the trailer kind of gets you, gets you hooked. And especially with all the, the car, uh, the car racing we've gotten from the fast and the furious movies. It's great to get a movie that actually has some, some realistic and raw driving that that's uh you know looked well placed and you know some great cinematography and great actors great director so i was really looking forward to it at a high level i i really did like the movie i came away and i was pleased um i think matt kind of mentioned there was it was overhyped a bit and there's i had a few nits about it 
but overall, I mean, I, I came out of the theater and I, and I was happy with it. I think Edgar Wright has done what he's done before, which is made another movie completely outside of that trilogy with completely different characters. It's made you kind of, uh, you know, get to see a different side of his of his style. It still had some of the comedic elements that he's he's really good at. At the same time, I think it kind of showed some different pieces and parts that you didn't get from, you know, a Scott Pilgrim or or a, uh, you know, a world's end, if you will. But, but yeah, I mean, I overall really pleased and, and looking forward to talk about it. So, uh, Dave, what about you? Why don't you wrap up the overall, overall view? So, uh, a little concerned going in, uh, when I first saw the previews, but got kind of like hyped up when, um, I got more excited once I figured out who was actually directing it. And, you know, they had a little bit more advertisements coming out. I did get a little concerned with the, um, and y'all you know, keep bringing this up is the over, the oversaturation in the marketing and, you know, even they were running specials on certain, uh, um, through certain websites and stuff like that for the actual scene of the movie. I was getting extremely concerned about it. Um, now I was actually pleasantly surprised by, you know, what ended up, the way that we ended up seeing, um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, you know, everybody brought up, it was the, it's, it was a fun car racing movie, basically just some cool driving, you know, the plot, was fairly you know fairly consistent across the board um just you know it was a fun movie i, I walked out and i think peter said it the, the perfectly you walk out and you're just kind of like i enjoyed that movie so yeah um matt what about you what's your uh, initial thoughts on the movie yeah i i think you guys called it i i uh i enjoyed it was was definitely entertained throughout um we'll kind of get into some some overall you know favorite scenes and maybe lesser scenes uh later on but overall Thoroughly entertained, um, good fun, lots of fun racing, like the characters. Um, it's a strong outing. I, I was concerned, I think you know, mentioned that I was concerned that the hype was a little too much. Um, we'll talk about that, like Peter mentioned, but it, it lived up to my initial expectations from the first trailer, um, kind of seeing just a, a new car chase movie. So that definitely did, you know, kind of hit all the right notes there. What about you, Sean? Yeah, I think the movie itself, I I really enjoyed the pacing of it, the the acting. I think the the, the folks that were in the movie, um, whether it's John Hamm, uh, Jamie Foxx, Triple Threat, don't forget about him, um, Ansel Eichhardt, I thought, or uh, Ansel, is that Elgort? Sorry, I, I keep butchering his name. Ansel Elgort, I really didn't know too much about him because I didn't really see a lot of his his movies. Um, like the fault in our stars, I think was the big one that that he he was in. Um, but with Edgar Wright and with the action scenes that I'd seen in the trailers, I was pretty excited. So needless to say, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie itself. Um, I thought that it, it you know played it, it it moved and played along very well. Uh, I think the music that tied into it sort of helped tell the story of Baby. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, did you guys have anything else uh, you wanted to add before we get into a little bit of spoilers? Let's do it. So yeah, one of the big one of the big things we really wanted to talk about was, and it's mainly a big plot point, was the uh, was the car chase scenes. I mean, it was a big it was a big part of this story. Uh, obviously, baby driver driver being the keyword here, and uh, I don't know. It was just one of those. I think it was a refreshing type uh, car chase scene, if you will, as opposed to and we kind of talked about it uh, like the Fast and Furious, where they just kind of kept getting more ridiculous and more ridiculous. This was these these seemed like they were a lot more grounded in uh, in terms of real physics. I think is the thing. So it's nice to kind of see that. What what was y'all's thoughts on it, Matt? We'll start off with you. 
Definitely appreciated that. Uh, it's been a while, and it is one of those things where I always enjoy seeing, uh, you know, car chase scenes. I remember what in the early two thousands, late nineties, Ronin with Robert De Niro and uh, um, uh, Gene Reno, Jean Reno. Jean, um, yeah, you know that was, that was you know really hyped up about a one particular car chase scene, and and it definitely lived up to those expectations. So just always exciting, always excited to see those. Um, in movies, even when you're not necessarily expecting it, like Born, Born Identity, uh, this one we knew we were getting into. You know, the the first one definitely was a was a great was a great ride um, throughout. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, I don't know the rest of the movie, but really, if they kind of lived up to that first that first chase or that kind of first getaway, uh, they were definitely still entertaining, um, good fun, and and they did have that. Um, you know, they did have that kind of base in reality feel, which is, as you said, refreshing uh, from the kind of exaggerations and just over the top uh, takes that we see a lot nowadays. Uh, and I, I really liked the character and we'll, we'll kind of get into this more, but the way that the baby character just overall conducted himself, even while driving, was very entertaining. The kind of stoic face he had in general as he was driving was very entertaining and the way it was shot was fun too. So very well done for that for that reason i I wish that some of the later sequences kind of lived up to the first take but you know the movie was good throughout so that wasn't a problem but they they did set up with the you know the strongest they you know they let off strong so they weren't able to anchor it to live up to that but overall very entertaining it's hard for a movie to have three or four chase scenes so i can't can't fault them there what about you sean yeah i mean those those were some pretty i guess extensive chase scenes too so uh i mean i think that was one of the highlight obviously the the three uh three chase scenes in the movie were basically the the most entertaining uh obviously the first one was was great when he's sitting there um jamming out to the song bell bottoms by uh i forgot the guy's name because i just read this whole thing the john spencer uh Blues Explosion. Um, these are all like all the songs in the movie too are like the 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, actually, heavy 70s. But um, yeah, I, I thought that the every time he would play a song that to get in the groove of driving uh, the getaway car, I thought that the songs were awesome. Um, yeah, and then the obviously the John Hamm scene that he engages with Baby. He's asking him uh, what's the one song that really does it for him, and Baby says it's uh, Queen's Brighton Rock, which really uh was sort of like one of those epic ballads with the guitar solo um which came back around at the end of the movie so i i mean the way he interacts with um kevin spacey kevin spacey sort of uh i I know you guys have your opinions on this but uh it was interesting. He played like the same character. He, I feel like Kevin Spacey's played for the last twenty years now, uh, until the uh, you know until some other things came up. But um, you know he he kind of was that father figure. I had a hard time trying to figure out exactly what. Um, I'm not really sure if they explained this that well. I, I know I, I picked up on it, but how Baby actually came to sort of um, so we want to be his yeah. like. Yeah, we want to jump into that just for the background. What happened was was baby um, was kind of being raised by a foster fo- you know foster parent and uh, started boosting cars as we were all want to do in our teens in our teenage years. <laughs> One of the cars that he boosted was basically like that idiot from Gone in sixty seconds, where he stole a car yep. that had a bunch of uh, product in it. And um, so with that, this product that baby stole, this car that 
that Baby Stoll had product that belonged to Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey tracked him down and basically uh, got him to work for him to pay off his debt, which we learned pretty early on in the movie. Um, at first, you think it's going to be a little, at least for me, I thought it was going to be a little more drastic in terms of the, the way the relationship was, but it, it actually was a, a bit mutual between the, the two knowing where they're kind of, how their relationship played out. So I did appreciate that, that they didn't didn't go too cliche in that kind of in debt, indebted worker um, for that. But But yeah, that's how... Baby got into this uh, driving for him, kind of just working off his debt. Yeah, the whole, I mean, the whole story, I guess, of how he ends up with the, uh, why he's listening to music all the time is because he has that hum in his drum from an accident that basically kills his parents, which, uh, I mean, you obviously see the story and not, you know, it's, we're in the spoilers at this point, but his parents don't have a great relationship and that sort of affected him. And then, the iPod, the iPods that he has, the kid, kid rolls with like four iPods, I think, at like throughout the movie, which is different, uh, different decorations and different uh, music that really kind of plays to his mood. Um, great scene, by the way, in, in the warehouse where they're like put on something funky and he plays like tequila, which was great. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm rambling on here talking about a lot of things I liked. But Peter, uh, what did you like about the movie? Yeah, so I mean, just to kind of touch on on the car stuff, I mean, I think a lot of it's been said pretty well. And Matt, I liked your callback to the Bourne movies. I thought the Bourne movies did really well with being able to interject realistic car, car chases and car scenes. And I think this movie does the same thing, especially with that we all mentioned at the very first car scene. Um, I will say the one thing that I was a little bummed out was they kind of led off with the big hitter and then it really takes it kind of tailored back from there. I don't think it ever topped that very first scene, which is, which is always a bummer because you're always hoping for, you know, the, especially the third act to really bring the movie home in terms of the, the action. If, if you set up the movie like this was, so uh, that was a little bit of a bummer, but I did have a great time with, you know, each of the scenes in the movie from a car perspective. And I thought, you know, they really showed how talented he was and, you know, Unfortunately, the trailer kind of spoiled the best piece, at least in my opinion, which was when he uh, he takes the Subaru and kind of does the uh, the reversal to you know 180 to back to to straight. Well, he takes it between two semi trucks. I don't know if you guys remember that scene, but that was definitely pretty pretty impressive. So um, definitely thought they kind of hit that one out of the park. Uh, and then yeah, with with respect to music, it's definitely kind of the overarching theme. You, you get to enjoy some some great oldies and a lot of tracks that I'd never heard before. And it, it kind of brings out a unique style to this movie, which is, you know, baby's kind of the, he's not a mute, but he, he doesn't really say much of anything throughout the movie. And he kind of goes to do his job and, and we all, we kind of talk through why he's doing his job, but then they kind of cut back to hit scenes with him and his, his kind of stepdad within the apartment. And he's, he's listening to old tunes and dancing around and, and swinging around a pole. So it, 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 the music opens up a bunch of different aspects, which I think is really interesting. And again, it makes callbacks to some of his other comedies where it's not just a straight serious flick. It has some of those lighter notes. So yeah, I was, I was a huge fan of the chases and a huge fan of the music. I thought it was a pretty interesting way to do it. Awesome. Um, so from my end, I, uh, I definitely enjoyed the heck out of the chase scenes. Like I said, you know, this was like the big, you know, the big key point of the the plot is his his driving ability. I thought it was a cool kickback, and, and Matt mentioned like the born the born films, great films in terms of that stuff. Um, in terms of that driving, excuse me. Um, 
this movie definitely enhanced on that, in my opinion. It was because mainly because of that music we were, we've all been talking about. Um, in returns of that music, I th- I was kind of actually intrigued that it was kind of moving toward like a musical almost in how much the music played into the into the film and how it actually. Uh, worked with every single scene in terms of mood and everything and how you know how (laughs) i thought it was a good thing that he uh interesting thing that he brought up that he has a a different ipod for every different mood he's in so i thought that was an interesting take on it uh great songs like peter said there were some ones that i had never heard of before actually i'd never actually heard of the um the the queen one uh sean had mentioned what was that song again it's brighton rock it's like a uh it's off of the same um it's off of one of their albums from like the late seventies, but yeah, it's a, it's an awesome song. Yeah, I feel like I did not have never heard that. I feel like it was something I I would have picked up over the years, but apparently I had not. So I thought that was an interesting one. Um, but yeah, the tequila one was a good one. Um, but like I said, like it was it was a weird how it the music. Like I said, it was it was kind of like a musical in that it tied so well with the film i mean he was dancing and singing you know lip syncing for 90 percent of the time while he was at his uh, foster parents home um but yeah um overall those two those those two big things were the big things that, that i enjoyed out of this um so Matt, did you have anything you wanted to touch on in terms of music yeah so sean mentioned that you know a lot of these are from like the 70s uh, you know very you know, maybe a little eighties, nineties, but primarily from the seventies. And it made me think that, um, Andy or sorry, um, Edgar Wright basically saw guardians of the galaxy and decided, Hey, I could pick more obscure songs, um, and bring them into a, you know, make them a, a kind of a focal point of a, a movie I'm doing. And so he kind of, kind of, you know, gave that same thing. He even had a, uh, a strong, uh, mother character to the, the character, um, who dies. And the the boy has to basically be raised with a foster parent. Um, So it's kind of the tie-ins to Peter Quill for me, which, you know, definitely obscure, but kind of, kind of just something I took away from that. Uh, And I, I really enjoyed just the overall idea of him. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't recognize a lot of the songs Um, with you on that, Dave. I enjoyed them all, but I I didn't recognize as many as I expected. Uh, And I think it's something where, I'm looking forward to listening to it a bit more. I, I mentioned it on Guardians of the Galaxy you know, Volume 2 where I, I didn't think I enjoyed that soundtrack as much. And, you know, two months later, a month and a half later, I think it's probably the soundtrack I've listened to the most. Uh, so way off there. But so I'm looking forward to giving this more of a shot. But I, Peter mentioned that he, you know, he doesn't talk a lot um, and he's just listening to the music. And I really enjoyed that he wasn't the strong silent type. He was just kind of silent and also a normal person. They didn't make him any special. He's just kind of a normal guy who doesn't necessarily talk a lot. So I really enjoyed that as well. They didn't do the cliche about it. They just made him a normal person. And I really, I really, to say it again, <laughs> enjoyed that. And I also kind of like enjoyed his quirks where he was, as Dave mentioned, singing and kind of dancing. Uh, when I took the bus to college because I was too cheap to pay for a um, – a parking pass and the bus was free uh, with a student <laughs> uh, student ID. I had to take my earphones out because I would find myself mouthing or singing along too much, and it was quite embarrassing. I don't look like Ansel Elgert, so I couldn't get away with it. So I had to kind of uh, just basically avoid it because I, I could not not mouth to the songs. And of course, my songs were not nearly as as you know maybe uh, classy as the ones he was going for. I was I was probably listening to more. Uh, I were- Lowbrow stuff. I hope you were, were mouthing some Ja Rule or something. <laughs> <laughs> I 
just start screaming around. I can't even think of anything they just besides move, you. It's not bitch, how you. Get out yeah. the way. <laughs> Maybe some DMX. Definitely ludicrous. <laughs> Definitely ludicrous. D- DMX for sure. <laughs> you know, uh, you guys were talking about like uh, some of the music. Start barking at him. <laughs> I actually forgot. Did you guys ever see? You guys have seen Shaun of the Dead, right? Yes, sir. So I know we talked about this earlier, but I thinking about this song, Brighton Rock, and how it was very influential in one of the closing scenes of the movie. Um, there's another back in Shaun of the Dead. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, like the scene when they're at the at the the Winchester, where they're basically being inundated with zombies and they're trying to fend them off. And uh, it's uh, another Queen song is playing in the background where it's like, "Don't stop me now, cause I'm having a good time." You know what I'm talking about? So "Don't Stop Me Now" is like the number one pump up song of all yeah. time. And I was actually kind of disappointed this wasn't it, but it's always nice to hear a new one. And it, yeah. it's cheating when trail. I think the the trailer for Hardcore Henry used that, uh, which just set the whole movie up to be a failure because no movie could keep up with the pace of a two and a half minute trailer to the pace of Don't <laughs> Stop Me Now. Hardcore yeah. Henry, we, you know, it's not you know, we know we're not going to discuss it here, but awesome, tra- awesome song. I agree. Nice call out, Sean. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just it's funny how he used Queen in two separate moments like that, and I need to go back and check because I don't I can't recall if they're at World's End if they have a moment like that where there's a. Uh, Queen song that he uses, but it seems like Edgar Wright is a big fan of Queen just from reading uh, some of the some of his uh, interviews about the music in the movie. Um, I know, and I know we're jumping around here with the music, but the uh, I mean that song at the end of the film that the movie's basically named after the Baby Driver song by Simon Garfunkel. I mean, like the Commodores, Easy. Uh, uh, you know, that's really influential, sort of at the end of the movie as well. But there's a lot of movies, a lot of songs in here that I guess sort of are accompanied with each act of the film. Um, and I, I read where he kind of set it up that way, which is really cool. If you have a song that you want to go with that's going to really play along with the movie, which is um, like for each different song that he had for the uh, sort of the what's the word for the heists. So. I just think that they did a really good job with that. But uh, I think that's a good point because he, he also needed to make sure it all happened in accordance or into to the beat and pace of the song. He even, even to the point where he actually stopped them to, to restart the song on time. So I, I thought that was <laughs> I did actually great. That, really yeah, enjoy that scene. Yeah, and I like how they, I mean, the, inter, the interaction where they even talk about like the names and how people have songs with their names in it and how when he, when he, he talks about how Baby is like, well, shit, we could track track across. Or uh, Deborah, he and Deborah were having a conversation, and he was talking about the the Trek song. That, which I thought was really funny. And she's like, "You mean like T Rex, the band?" Uh, and he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh yeah, I guess that's right." Um, but like the her name, there's not that many songs uh, with uh, Deborah in it, but there's uh, a ton with Baby. So she's like, "We could listen to songs across the country twice and still not hit all the Baby songs." Um, but I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but anything else on the music guys like Dave, what do you think? Nope. No, I mean, I, I touched on it already. Um, but you know, I thought the interesting part, like I said, it was very, very musical in, in terms of like, in, and when I say musical, I mean like it was very similar filmed, very similar to how a musical would be filmed, uh, adapted to it where other than the singing, just because the music is so ingrained in the film itself. Like if you're not paying attention to the music, it's you're gonna miss out a ton on the on the actual film itself. I think it adds a, a whole bunch to it. Um, 
but yeah, I, I know we've been talking mainly about the great things and the good things about this movie, but I know we all had some issues with it, particularly in the uh, in the third act, uh, basically when the third car chase scene or the third robbery began. Um, how did y'all feel about how that went? Um, did y'all feel there were some um, issues with that? Uh, Peter, how about you start us off? I know you were you were nipping at the butt for this. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I'll go quick here. I, I think overall the movie... I mean, it was it was paced pretty well. I think we kind of touched at the beginning the f- the first car chase scene. It never really tops that. And for me, the the third act was kind of a mess. And just because, from you know, it, it basically ditches the car just right at the beginning. Uh, I think you know we touched on it the fact that he kind of restarts the song and and it gives it a different dynamic. But Im- immediately when that kicks off. There's a very, very quick, uh, and again, spoilers, but a real quick death for Jamie Foxx, which is very much telegraphed. Uh, you know, we're working through the rest of the movie and building up to how they're going to rob this place and get the get the uh, the slips, the uh, the deposit slips. And, and that scene goes by, basically, there's nothing, nothing of it. They kind of, they walk in the building. We don't get to see anything that happens. They walk right out, uh, which, which is in theme with the rest of the movie. We don't get to see the robberies in depth, but... Um, it happens very quickly and very quickly it goes wrong. They ditch the car immediately. There's a lot of like, uh, you know, foot chase scenes. You've got this, you know, this endless, uh, back and forth between John Hamm and baby, which, which is, which is a little interesting because they seem to be the two characters that are getting along the best throughout the movie. So, I mean, I guess there's a juxtaposition there that could be interesting, but I didn't really, it didn't really click with me. Just overall, I just thought it was a weird way to 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 wrap it up, and it, it you know from that all the way to the execution of the end, where he, he kind of ends up in jail and, and walks away happily ever after with her extremely nice car. By the way, I, I don't know how she has a diner salary and has this you know '50s era car that's immaculate, but you know it's a tiny nitpick. Um, yeah, just overall, it, it was a the the third act didn't really hit it for me, but. I still had a good time again. It didn't, it didn't impact my overall thoughts on the movie. I just thought the, it kind of lost the mark. And then one thing too, to talk about is, you know, the, the kind of turn for Kevin Spacey's character from kind of strong, very much seems as if he's the villain of the movie to all of a sudden being the, the savior of baby at the end, which kind of came out of nowhere was unexpected and again that could be a fun thing for some but for me it didn't really it didn't really hit the mark i i don't know did any, any of those things hit you guys so so you, you brought up that it was actually a swap between a swap between um kevin spacey's character and john exactly. Hamm in terms of how they reacted yeah. or inter, uh, interacted with him i thought that was just very very odd and i would have assumed that jamie fox would have been you know, the, the ideal bad guy at the end, just the way he was going the whole thing. But I don't know. I, I agree with you on that, Peter. It was, um, it was a little off putting. I, I liked how everything kind of went wrong. Cause you were kind of expecting that. Um, but once the characters started flip flopping, I was kind of just taken away a little bit on that. And, and like you said, it, it, Overall, movie was great. Enjoyed the heck out of it. It was just a little off-putting when some of the characters don't, you know, they're, they're building them up to this particular way you would think they would go, and then basically they flip-flop. And it didn't... John Hamm's, you know, flip-flop didn't bother me as much because there was a reason. Kevin Spacey's, I could not get over. It was just too... 
um, basically, he, you know, baby just screwed him over. And then finally, all of a sudden, he was just like, oh, you're in love? Well, here's all this money and all this stuff. And, you know, I'll take these bullets for you and stuff. It, may, it, it just didn't make sense for his character. How we've got built up. Did y'all feel the same way as well? And, and actually, um, yeah, on that, Dave, good. completely agree. So, you know, John Hamm's flip, you know, not that great. And I, I thought it was a good kind of play where the, the whole movie's kind of building to a climax between Jamie Foxx and um, Baby. Uh, Jamie Foxx's name is Bats. Uh, real name also four letters, Leon. Um, and, uh, you know, it was nice to see Baby just take the initiative impale jamie fox uh by way of driving and um <laughs> you know then then you know the the kind of a few things a few things happen and and now john hams is ready to kill you know ready to take out baby you know that that that, that didn't get me too much the fact that john ham was almost unkillable or just, just a little, <laughs> almost like a almost like a horror movie T-1000. villain or, or yeah exactly that, that was a little too much i think the movie dragged out a couple, you know, maybe just a few two minutes too long from that perspective. Um, but the the Kevin Spacey one, him him kind of turning and being okay with baby was was a little acceptable to me, just because uh, I think Kevin Spacey acknowledged that he shouldn't have made baby, you know, do this. It was a dumb idea. He put himself in this problem, especially because he knew Jamie Fox screwed him over already. But the the real thing was when he started taking bullets for him and standing in front of a car. That's when it was too far. So if he was just going to let baby get away, that would have been fine. But the fact that he was I, I, the fact that he was actually going to take bullets that. for him and shoot at, you know try to stop you know shoot at a yeah, car yeah. and protect him from an oncoming car that was a little bit too much. Um, See, I'll play devil. I'm going to play devil's advocate here uh, because I feel as if that it was set up from the beginning that he sort of was like a fatherly figure to baby. So there was this even though. You know, from the time he said that when Baby boosted his car and he had his his the product that was in the back of the vehicle and how he tracked down Baby and then sort of helped him grow into the guy he is now, I feel as if he has that sense of, uh, you know, that he cares for Baby because of the fact that he's been around him for so long and that they have been, uh, which great references, by the way, with the Monsters, Inc. line, um, how they were like a team <laughs> uh, working together. So I feel as if, like, he did. He feels as if he put Baby in a vulnerable position in that last uh, third act. So, you know, that instinct of wanting to try to protect him a little bit uh, came out. So I, I could see a little bit as to why he acted the way he did, but um, I'm still not. I still don't think it's. Uh, you know, that's sort of just me trying to come to grips with why he would do <laughs> such a thing. But yeah. Um, I- but does that make sense? I think it does. I think the thing that kills it for me is that maybe it's the uneven direction for Kevin Spacey's character. So there's a there's a piece probably right around the middle where where Baby takes uh, Deborah out to a restaurant, and then of course they run into Kevin Spacey, and they have a an exchange Baby and and Kevin Spacey's character outside the restaurant, and essentially he threatens not only killing you know, baby, but killing everybody he loves, his whole family, you know, he has very, very deep, dark threats in terms of harming everybody if baby doesn't help him out. So I think it doesn't really make sense when you look at the end scene for him to, you know, go from one point, which is you're going to do this for me or I'm going to kill everybody you love to, you know what, actually, I'm going to take a bullet for you and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lose my life for you. It's from his character perspective. It's kind of a very uneven 
I think arc for him. So I think that's what really throws me off. So I, I kind of, I get where you're coming from, Sean. I think to your point though, Matt, exactly that. If you change that one scene to him saying, yeah, I'm going to let you go. And then maybe Kevin Spacey steps out of the way. I think it, it alleviates all those issues. I think it's a real simple piece and it's not, it's not big enough that it ruins the movie by any means. It's more of a, you know, it's just one of the tiny pieces in the third act that just didn't hit me right. Alrighty. So other than that, do y'all have anything else you want to add in terms of uh, what y'all did not enjoy about this movie? I think Matt really Matt really touched on it. I mean, the third act was the only thing that really I thought was extended too long. Like the you know the the whole garage scene. It kind of after the fact that Kevin Spacey was out there, that kind of dragged on a little bit. Um, with the uh, what's the word? The not not a uh, I guess immortal. Yeah, the immortal um, John Hamm. So I think with that, we've covered the negatives. But in terms of some things I really enjoyed that, you know, just just were good fun and just the kinds of things that throughout the movie kept you entertained. I really liked Kevin Spacey's nephew uh, when they were doing a little stakeout. The nephew kind of accompanied, um, you know, doing a reconnaissance mission and the, the nephew kind of, cut, you know, joined baby in to check out the post office. Um, and I thought it was a, just a good little fun between those two and basically the the kind of toddler nephew or maybe he was eight, something like that. Just the, yeah, the general fun. He? Yeah, he thought he was four, and he's actually. You know, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, that, those those little kind of fun interactions, uh, I really enjoyed and thought they're just great additions to the movie. But I also uh, felt that uh, Jamie Fox and Kevin Spacey both essentially played their characters from Horrible Bosses, just to almost another level. Um, Jamie Fox was essentially just Motherfucker Jones, and uh, Kevin Spacey was just. Jason Bateman's boss just as an actual gangster instead of a douchebag boss. Uh, I don't know. If Sean mentioned <laughs> this where Kevin Spacey has played the same thing lately. That is actually lately, a great comparison. But overall, that's that's kind of my 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 take. Um, that's a great call yeah. out. I, th- I think the Kevin Spacey one isn't as good as the motherfucker Jones. I think that one is spot on. It's very, yeah, very that, close. Yeah. The, the, yeah, Kevin Spacey's character, though, in, in that movie was 10 times better than this movie. I think his character... And Horrible Bosses was awesome. But oh, anyway, absolutely. Side note. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, what else did you have, Matt? I thought you said oh, you had a I also liked the idea of, you know, Kevin Spacey. We also got to see a few more characters, kind of like the nephew, briefly, because Kevin Spacey doesn't work with the same overall team. Again, he might work with the same people, but not a, the same overall team. So, I like that we got to see, um, you know, like uh, John uh, Bernthal. Bernthal, thank you. I always have trouble saying that simple name. Um, as well as Flea from uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Makes me want to watch yes. uh, Back to the Future. And also yep. um, a, a kind of fun guy that can't, uh, you know, gets poorly placed tattoos and, and can't remember which Mike Myers masks to get, which you saw in the trailer, so it's not that <laughs> exciting. But uh, I, I did enjoy that we had reasons to see kind of new characters for a brief time and just kind of have fun, some fun with them. that's actually a good point which is pretty interesting john bernthal has a really quick scene at the beginning and we don't see him again i'm kind of bummed i I think he would have been fun to come back in the movie but i'm with you i think it was an it was a cool way to involve a bunch of folks into this movie without overbloating it by having the you know that plot point of i only work with different teams every time so that was that was fun all righty well, I think that's really all we've got in terms of uh, Baby Driver. I think we've touched on most of what we how we felt on this. I think overall, I think everybody's kind of really enjoyed the heck out of this. Um, so let's do a 
a quick uh let's do a quick final thoughts on it real quick and then uh we'll go into our potent picks for the week so uh peter why don't you start us off yeah just real quick had a great time i think we all touched about the fun parts um this is one of those where I don't want to say I'd like to see a sequel because I don't want to see a sequel, but I would love to see another movie that's kind of in the same vein of this and and that gets gets a nice mix of you know the action, especially from a car scene standpoint. I mean this this movie really had some really fun parts. Um, I I think it's a great outing for him. I'm looking forward to whatever his next piece is, which I guess is uh, it says on IMDb is Shadows. I have no clue what the background on that one is, but honestly he's he's put out movies that have been all over the map in terms of, uh, you know, plots and, and, and themes and styles. And I'm really looking forward to what he comes out, what, what comes out next. And I think this was a, a really fun take. So, so yeah, I think that's, that's, that's it for me. What about you, Matt? I, I agree. Um, fun movie. Look forward to seeing it again with you. I, I don't think I'm hoping we wouldn't see a sequel, especially cause they'd probably go with the prequel route or just the, the baby and Deborah somehow getting brought back into some sort of crime ring when everybody in the crime ring is no longer available. Uh, so that would mean that Kevin Spacey had a boss that has to drag him in. So uh, in any case, really enjoyed the movie. The hype was probably a little overdone, um, but hopefully it, it gets the, the number of viewers that it deserves because it is a good, you know, it's a, it's a very fun movie and I look forward to seeing what, you know, yeah, you know, I'm not too familiar with Ansel Eckert, Elgort, sorry, Ansel Elgort. I'm looking forward to seeing him and some more things, and of course, what uh, Edgar rides up to next. So, yeah, what about you, Sean? Yeah, overall, definitely like the movie a lot. I like Edgar Wright, um, so I think he continues to do a great job. I could maybe see him trying to do some sort of maybe trilogy of some sorts with different uh, storylines that really play into sort of a similar universe. I, I definitely don't want to see a sequel. I, I like the idea of just keeping movies when, you know, I understand that there's definitely going to be movies that have sequels, but I don't think they need to have a sequel for this movie. I think it ended the way, you know, it, I was fine with the way it ended. Um, in terms of my one little final note that I'll add, and I couldn't help but think about this half the time was, uh, with John Hamm, I kept thinking about him being on the opposite side of another heist movie with uh, The Town, which is a great, I think that's a great heist movie as well, but they have like uh, skull masks, which made me think about in the beginning of this when they had skull masks. Uh, but uh, yeah, just overall, I thought it was a good movie. But uh, Dave, what about you? So overall, um, like I said, great movie. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think we, we, we all touched on the fact that the, the third, you know, the third act really didn't exactly do it for us and it would have been you know been a perfect movie but you know overall thoroughly enjoyed the heck out of it um i liked the the fact that you know as mentioned it was sort of a musical in terms of, like the music was tied into everything and it was required basically for this type of movie um but yeah just uh just an enter I, I thought it was an entertaining you know movie in terms of what the characters that they actually brought in like all the different ones and, and whatnot and as if you can't really go wrong with a good kevin spacey movie or uh or jamie fox in anything really um but having said that um i think we can move into our potent picks for the week so uh sean what what would you recommend for everybody well for this week i'm going to represent uh <laughs> not represent but uh i'm going to recommend a great summer movie that is one of my all-time favorite kind of cop slash heist movies, and that's uh, Point Break. 
it's starring Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze. This is the original, mind you, not the re the remake of the one that was like what three years ago. But uh, it's got a lot of great characters. Uh, John, it was a John McGinley that was in. Uh, is it John McGinley, right? Uh, from Scrubs. That's correct. Uh, that's correct. He's in there. Um, you got Gary Busey, who's the ultimate uh, the ultimate addition there. Um, just a great movie. It's uh, you got you got a was a Ohio State quarterback. Uh, um, oh God, what's his name? I can't remember Keanu Reeves' Utah. character. His yeah, first, Johnny his Utah. First yeah, that's Ohio Sorry. State quarterback. That's, that's true. Exactly. <laughs> the replacement. Shane Falco and Johnny Utah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I recommend uh, Point Break this week. Um, you could probably catch it on Blu-ray somewhere. It's uh, I don't know if it's available streaming anywhere, but. Um, Definitely an awesome movie. Word, word, of, word to the wise, though, in case it is available streaming, make sure you're watching the one with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, not the. Yeah, that, that's not what I'm the saying. Like the, I'm recommending the the 90s did, one, not the 2000s. Did anyone did anyone see the 2000s one? I saw enough of it to know I don't need to see the rest. It's terrible. <laughs> it is so bad. Do not watch it. So bad. So that is a a, a uh, that is not a potent pick no, of the week. No. That is a recommend to not exactly. Watch. We should we can make those too. <laughs> Don't ever watch it. <laughs> yes, definitely watch the definitely watch the nineteen ninety one version. I believe it's ninety one. Um, let's let's just say it's the only version. The we'll only. It, the, we'll leave it at that. And in terms of a drink that I'll recommend this week, when you can check out uh, Point Break, is a uh, it's a, kind of like a West Coast beer uh, that goes along with this. But I'll recommend the Mango Even Keel from Ballast Point. It's a really good beer. Nice light, fruity. Um, got a little bit of uh that that mango in there and it's uh sort of an ale so check that out watch point break and uh, have yourself a, a nice little uh fourth of july because what's more american than keanu reeves and beer nothing obviously january or uh july 1st since that's what i celebrated guys <laughs> yeah, Canadian. you could yourself in maple oh, canada <laughs> yes exactly have the dogs lick it off of you it's okay we, terrible we terrible <laughs> But uh, yeah, what, 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 who's uh, who's next, Peter? Sure, I'll go. Um, I kind of want to go in the same vein, which is another kind of car chase movie, and I'm gonna go in the same kind of uh, genre as I started with, which is so bad it's good, and it's a movie called The Chase. It's got uh, Charlie Sheen, Christy Swanson. It also has our friend Flea in it, by the way, Henry Rollins. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie. It's from uh, mid-90s. It's it is it's not good, but then again, it's one of those TV movies that comes on all the time. I think kind of like one of those USA TBS movies. It, it's a fun movie to watch. It's got a little bit of comedy. Uh, it's really not necessarily a car chase movie. It just happens to all take place in a car and they're chasing them. So there there aren't any fun, exciting action scenes per se, but... Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Was that not the movie where there was some scene in the gas station? At the uh, in, in the Am beginning. The right That's in the beginning, yep. Or the beginning. Yep. Okay. And I, uh, to be honest, this is how kind of not good the movie is. I don't remember all the plot pieces, but essentially Charlie Sheen is kind of hard on his luck, sees a, a girl in a gas station, uh, takes her hostage, and essentially gets in her car, and lo and behold, she happens to be an extremely rich, rich woman, and, and they just... And the entire movie are in her, I think it's a, you know, fancy sports car. They're driving down the highway in pursuit or, uh, you know, there's cops in pursuit and they, they engage in some, some random acts. So it's, 
it's a fun movie. It's again, it's not good, but it's 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 worth watching. So, so Peter, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because once we got out of the movie, that's the one of the one of the first kind of we went to lunch after, and that's definitely something that came up. And nobody else at the table had seen it. <laughs> one one other person vaguely remembered it, I think, but nobody else was really familiar with the movie at all. Um, and two of them were really big Red Hot Chili Peppers fans. Oh, and man. I had to prove to them that both Flea and Anthony, uh, what is it, Kiedis? <laughs> yeah, um, Anthony Kiedis. W- yep. Were in it. Kiedis, thank you. Um, were in it. And they actually, it, I always remember it because they're driving a big truck and they try to ram um, Charlie Sheen and uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not, Sarah Mc- not the Sarah Michelle Gellar version one. Um, off the road so it's, it's, <laughs> like you said it, it's it's not good but it is a movie i think about you know randomly from time to time because it, it i think it was on a lot when we were younger and oh yeah it was, it was just always something that was an okay to have on in the background it, it was exactly. what it was yeah it's one of those where you, you're back when you know we used to flip through the channels because you didn't have on demand and you didn't have dvrs it, whenever it was on you'd stop there and just kind of enjoy it because it's ridiculous and it has made me remember that Flea happens to be in a lot of movies involving car chases and car racing. So he's in this. He's in uh, Back to the Future. I don't know if you remember him in that as one of those guys. So, Ooh, yeah. so yeah, he seems to enjoy this uh, genre. So anyway, yeah, The Chase is a, it's a fun movie. Um, in terms of drinks, this is a real simple one. If you guys can get Deep Eddie's uh, Lemon Vodka or Lemonade Vodka and you just add a little bit of water, it's a great summer drink if you're looking for a cocktail that's real simple and, um, you know, light enough so that when it's a hundred degrees out, you, you can kind of enjoy yourself. It's, it doesn't make you feel heavy if you're going to have, you know, like a, a dark beer, which is not a great summer drink. So, so definitely something real simple for folks to have and, and deep Eddie's always a good choice. So, uh, Dave, what about you? So, uh, you know, with these, these heist movies, I was, I'm, I'm going to swing back into the heist time frame. And I, originally my, um, my pick was actually going to be, um, the, the town just because of the John Ham, um, you know, flip flop in this particular movie. Um, however, after it was mentioned, I realized that there was actually a better heist movie that um, I really enjoy, and it's usually when we we go down to Galveston for some strange reason, it's the movie we always watch, and it's uh, it's Heat. I don't know if y'all remember that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my friend refuses to watch the town because his wife loves it, but she refuses to watch Heat. Which the town is basically a, you know, fifteen year version of, it. Yep. of. So yep. yeah, Heat's phenomenal. Michael Mann, Ben Affleck did a great job with the town. So I think I think you're you're getting both with with you know two birds with one stone yep. there. Good call. Yep. But uh, always a great movie. And for some reason, it's what we always watch on like the seventy five inch TV upstairs at my buddy's uh, 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 bay house down there. And you know everybody will be drinking and doing all kinds of stuff. And it's what always comes on. And we blow the heck out of the speakers always a great movie watch that shootout scene with speakers blown like you know all the way up nothing gets better than that uh in terms of booze because it is july 4th weekend we're gonna go simple we're gonna go basic we're gonna go to american and yes sean already brought up beer but i'm gonna go we're gonna go full-blown american beer everybody drink a butt heavy at least one this week just to, just to respect the American way. That's all that matters. <laughs> if you're going to go full-blown American, you got to drink a Bud Heavy. Nothing screams American like a Bud. You know, now, That's all I got to say Now that you say that, that, Dave, I, I think uh, supermarkets need to – I think you mentioned the variety pack or the, the pick six um, yeah. at uh, Central Market. And I know Whole Foods, I think, uh-huh. does that as well. I think supermarkets should do like a, 
a patriotic pick six where you get a Coors and a Miller. <laughs> there and a we Bud go. Light. Uh, you get the heavy. Except that the they're lights. all owned by by what is no Miller Coors. You get the you get the Miller Chinese company now. What's that? Uh, Miller Coors is actually owned by a Chinese company, if I remember correctly. I think they all are. Well, I, oh, I guess Bud Lights or Bud Budweiser, Anheuser Busch is what Belgium. Yeah, but, uh, and, yeah. And, uh, that's, that's all. That's all, that's all fine. Anyway. It's all. It's all yeah, beer. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Yay! I, I'll beer. drink a Bud Heavy if you give me a, a Clydesdale with my Bud Heavy. That's my one condition. Give me a horse. So having so having said that, um, when I, I think I may have shown you all this picture of when I was in uh, in in Moscow. And they had the Bud alcohol-free um, Clydesdales out there, and just standing in in Red Square where I was at visiting. Um, have you all actually seen a Clydesdale in person? No, but could you explain the Bud alcohol-free Clydesdale? Does that mean they so, don't feed okay. the so, the horses so beer? Let me let me let me. I, well, so apparently <laughs> Thank, not. Thanks for because, asking so, the question. <laughs> we all needed answer, Peter. Because well, I was going to explain this. So when I was younger in, in, in Mardi Gras and everything, what they would do is they'd have the Clydesdales come out. They would be walking, you know, during the parade and, you know, you would be up in a ladder sitting on the top. And that was a typical thing. If you've ever seen a parade, you've ever been down to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, or possibly other places. I don't know if y'all do it, but basically what it was is people would build a chair on top of their ladders. The kids could sit in. Now as a kid, now this is a, you know, six foot ladder. These Clydesdales would still tower over us. We'd have to be looking up to them when they would walk in front of us. When I was in Moscow, walking around in Red Square, walk up and they're doing they're advertising Bud alcohol free, and they have the Clydesdales out there. These Clydesdales were no taller than me, but had the big hoof kind of things. So I feel like the real Clydesdales are felt fed alcohol as opposed to these, which blew my mind that there was actually alcohol-free Budweiser blew my freaking mind and then it was actually in Red Square which is kind of depressing in two ways one you know alcohol-free beer and two have we really Americanized and westernized Moscow in that way where Bud is advertising in the middle of Red Square but yeah I digress it sounds to me like you have to hang out with uh Edward Snowden that doesn't sound too bad oh (laughs) (laughs) I do have a uh, little Sebastian T-shirt, by the way. That's a great. Do call. you? That's, oh yeah. I think you. I think you took that to Mardi Gras, if I remember. Oh, you're oh, right. Yes, I did. you did. I took a picture of you in that shirt because I was so. I, I would just recently, or <laughs> so, otherwise, you know, was enjoying Parks and Rec, so I I was very stoked about that shirt, Peter. For, I forgot about For anyone that, who, right? who's a listener who hasn't seen Parks and Rec, go watch it just so you can find Lil Sebastian. I don't know what season <laughs> he comes out in, but it's it's definitely worth the wait. No question. <laughs> oh, little Sebastian. What would they do without him? But anyway. All right. Um, I think, Matt, did you give your uh, put and pick for the week? Uh, no, Sorry, you're, you're right. I, I do owe, owe something. Um, I so I, I totally bit. forgot what I was going to do. Um, but Sean, Sean brought up uh, Point Break. And Gary Busey, and I can't think of Gary Busey without thinking. I'm gonna let you guys guess who I'm thinking for Gary Busey. Ooh, that's a tough one. Black Sheep. Good man. Nicely done. <laughs> wow. I, I was hoping. Was it Black I was Sheep? hoping you were gonna guess Lethal Weapon because that's always a good choice as well. But uh, gotta go, Chris Farley. Something about it. <laughs> so uh, Black Sheep, absolutely. Chris Farley and David Spade, one of their two classic boom buddy comedies. Um, 
Just good fun. I don't know if you, you know, if it doesn't have the nostalgia 90, 90s feel for you. I don't know if it's going to hold up for you. Um, but hopefully, it, de- it definitely is always something I enjoy putting on uh, when I get a chance. Uh, hopefully, it's, it's good for folks as well that haven't seen it yet. Um, just general Chris Farley and, you know, his kind of fat guy comedy shtick. Um, and then David Spade there to counterbalance it. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of what I'm you know, going to recommend drinking. It's something I wish I was drinking, which is a Firestone Union Jack. Um, they've recently, Ooh, good call. I guess over the past year or two, expanded their 805 um, beer. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's distributed, distributed pretty pretty broadly throughout the United States. But uh, their Union Jack, I think, is my favorite from the Firestone Brewing Company. And uh, that that's it's from where I went to school out in Central California. So it's always nice to see it around. Um, it's not as heavily distributed but you can find it in in your Winco's and things like that if you check they're kind of more you know more smaller smaller pallet size uh you know sections you're not going to get a 30 pack of it or anything but uh, Union Jack IPA is uh, it's a very tasty beer um one more recommend and this is to tack on to the Parks and Rec recommendation that Peter gave which I'd imagine if, if you're to the point that you're listening to 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 schmucks like us you're probably aware of parks and rec too but can't can't recommend it enough but it's something that's on netflix and something that i think we realized is you know sometimes we're recommending these things that people don't always have access to and so a couple things we wanted to toss out related to things that if you are somebody who has netflix um you know it's obviously the early or early portion of the month so we have a few options that just joined joined netflix this uh over the next few weeks here and uh, one excellent choice that's out there going to give a couple out there that aren't necessarily excellent um, but kind of have that 90s nostalgia feel um, those are the mighty ducks um, <laughs> nice Woo-hoo! we were talking about charlie sheen so we'll talk about his uh his brother emilio estevez um with the mighty ducks and also free willy and um oh wow oddly enough oddly enough the land before time so if you need to get a '90s a '90s kick, or you have little ones now, and you wanna you wanna introduce them to the stuff that you grew up on, those are all on Netflix as of July 1st. Um, but the the real recommendation to toss out is Matchstick Men, um, Nick, Nicholas Cage, and um, I'm blanking on his name. So Peter, I'm gonna toss it to you because you you recognized it. Yeah, so it's uh, Sam Rockwell. So Thank you. Matchstick Men, it, I, that's a great call, and it's funny. A lot of people. Uh, go against Nicolas Cage because he is in a lot of terrible movies. Matchstick Men, extremely underrated, super, super interesting and kind of um, very, it's a very deep yet kind of comedic. It's it's almost, it's a dark comedy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of something from like a uh, Sean Black, or not Sean Black. Um, Shane Black. I agree. Uh, Shane Black, yeah. So I, Anybody who hasn't seen that movie, definitely go watch it. You'll love you'll love Nicolas Cage and Sam Rockwell is always a lot of fun. So great call. And if you don't have Netflix, I I, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, I'm sure you'll find find movies somehow, and I hope you enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, I think that's all we got for tonight. Um, unless anybody's got anything else to add. Nope. So I think we'll call it a night for tonight, everybody. Thanks for thanks for tuning in and. Um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us at Potent Pictures on uh, Twitter. And as always, email us at uh, potentpicturespodcast at gmail.com for any uh, suggestions, 
in terms of movies you may want us to review or, uh, you know, comments about uh, uh, how the podcast is going. Uh, we would appreciate it. So uh, thanks, everybody.